For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. This is Vinny. Vinny, look into the camera. Today we're celebrating two, well, two areas that I'm absolutely crazy about. Today is National Dog Day. So there he is, looking into the camera. He's going to try. So it's National Dog Day. So we're going to go to the dogs today. We're going to talk about the importance of dogs in our lives. All of our guests today are all dog people. Uh, dogs affect our lives. Uh, they make us happy. And when they leave us and they go across that rainbow bridge, uh, they break our hearts. Uh, but we adopt again and we bring them into our homes. Uh, today, I want to celebrate the love that dogs bring into our lives. And I also want to celebrate today the fact that today is National uh, Women's Equality Day. And I have four very exciting women that I am crazy about, all celebrating who they are, celebrating their art, celebrating creativity, and celebrating just life. Before we start today, uh, I want to start with uh, bringing together, uh, well, three things that celebrate all of the elements of what we're going to talk about today. First of all, it's National Dog Day. One of my favorite events that happens year after year uh, is Broadway Barks. It's when the Broadway community comes together, thanks to Bernadette Peters, uh, Bill Ber uh, Berloni, and it started also with Mary Tyler Moore and their love of dogs. And uh, every year they come together and they try to find uh, wonderful homes for animals and dogs that need homes. Uh, so Broadway Barks is something, look for it. If you're able to make a contribution to Broadway Barks and the work that they do, by all means, do so. So I'm going to show a clip from one of the most uh, recent, uh, well, this was prior to the pandemic. Uh, this was when Hello, Dolly was last on Broadway. And Hello, Dolly is a, about a very empowered woman, Dolly Levi. And how appropriate that I'm going to be sharing this clip with you right now, because today also marks the anniversary of Bette Midler leaving that company uh, several years ago. So before we start today and we meet our incredible guest today, uh, let's enjoy a moment from Broadway Barks in Schubert Alley. Put on your Sunday clothes and let's have a great time today. Music is too. <laughs> Perfume 
night when the lights are bright as the stars. But on your Sunday clothes, they're gonna ride through town. They wanna go through horse-drawn open cars. We'll see the shows and tell my nickels that we'll close the town and all Like I said, Broadway Barks is one of my favorite organizations in the world. If you're able to make a contribution to them, by all means do so. Uh, they, they come around once a year with that, or, uh, that event, uh, but please get them on your radar, get on their radar, tell them I sent you. So one of my favorite women is watching the show today, uh, Cherie Callahan uh, from my hometown uh, of Conway, South Carolina, just outside of. She's watching the show today, uh, so I'm going to let her pull our first number. So, like, let's make a deal. There are four women waiting in the wings, so she gets to pick the number. Just pull the number one through four, Cherie, and you will pick the first person who's going to come on the show today. And then we will talk about the work they're doing, their love of dogs, and you'll get a chance to meet these incredible women. So, Cherie, as soon as you pull the number, we will get started with today's show. I hope you're still there. I hope you're still watching. Going once, going twice. Sherry, are you there? I'm waiting. Yes, number three. 
and that is Linda Kahn. Thank you. Hello, Linda. How are you? I am great, Richard. Thank you for having me. Well, it's nice to be had. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, years ago, I had the good fortune of performing at Carnegie Hall. Oh, wow. And when I came out on stage and the I was there was a guest singer and they said, it's so nice to have you at Carnegie Hall. And I said, it's so nice to be had at Carnegie Hall. And it brought the house. <laughs> so I am so glad that you were here today. Uh, we, first of all, are celebrating uh, its National Dog Day. And I want to ask, are you a dog person? Do you have dogs? I Well, unfortunately, right now, I don't because we lost our two little doggies. And quite honestly, it took us, it's been taking us so long to get over that loss mm -hmm. that we have not been able to kind of get back. Although, you know, all you have to do is put on the dog videos on Facebook and we're like, oh, how about this one? How about this one? But um, yeah, no, I, and it's the first time in my life I've never had a dog. So it's, it's an interesting place to be, but I am absolutely a dog person. And well, I've had some of the greatest is, dogs ever. I remember years ago, my husband and I, you know, we had lost, you know, our first dog that we had together and we went to quote unquote, look at dogs. He said, no, remember, we don't have to come home with a dog today. <laughs> Famous last words. Yes. So, but if you, when the time is right and you know that you're able to bring an, a dog into your home, you will know that the time is right. But the time is not necessarily right for you because you have been in the throes of putting together a show. And I love the name of the show uh, because it is based on one of my favorite songs, a Candor and Ebb song. Uh, I'm going to assume that that's the opening uh, of your so show. Am I right? Actually, it's not the opening. It's not the opening. It's not the opening. It is actually the closing. And when uh, you see the so show, you'll understand why. <laughs> well, I've got to get uh, to the show. Now, I am, I, for some reason, I am not seeing, I, I've got it here. Oh, here it is. I am, there you are. Say yes. Yes, indeed. Say yes. Yes. Say yes. Yes. So, but you're not opening with Say Yes, so I stand corrected. Why did you choose this title for, this, uh, for the show if you're not opening with this? And I love the fact that you're turning the tables on everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the way the title came about was very much as the show began to develop. This is my uh, debut show. Uh, or solo debut. I did a duo show in 2017. But um, as we were working, we began to realize that the reason why I was picking a lot of the songs that I was picking had a lot to do with my own personal growth in terms of stepping back in as a performer. I had left this a long time ago to raise a family, be a parent, you know, lots of life reasons. Mm -hmm. And so coming back, I realized that it was like picking up the mantle of something that was always inside of me, but life had taken me down a different road. And now life opened up this road for me to return. And um, I kind of talk about some of the reasons why I wasn't able to keep performing and how, and also why the show, the show is very delayed and um, how I just kept saying yes. And I really believe that even in these very challenging times, uh, if we can just know that we're being guided and have that open heart and an open mind and you just keep saying yes. And I kept, okay, what's my next step? 
months to do this and a path open up. And that's kind of how my whole journey has been. Well, good for you. And I totally agree with that. Was this show a, uh, a result of COVID or was this show a show that was scheduled to happen prior to COVID? It was scheduled to happen prior to COVID and actually prior, prior to COVID. Oh. <laughs> there were a number of things that got in the way of the show. Being happening birthed. every day. Same yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it's very meaningful to yes. me, those, those lyrics. But um, yeah, you know. So uh, I rolled the dice and took a chance, and here I am. Well, here you are, Christopher Denny, uh, Jeff Harner. Like I said before we went uh, live tonight, Jeff Harner, I think there must be four or five Jeff Harners walking around because I think he's cloned. I don't know how he <laughs> does as much as he does. I agree. Um, Jeff Harner, I'm a huge fan of him on stage, off stage, uh, both as a human, as an artist. What is it that Jeff brings to the table for you? Wow, that's a great question. Jeff, Jeff's role in helping me to create this show was completely irreplaceable. He is the most present director. He is supportive, he is kind, he is clever, he's very funny. And he always came kind of with the attitude where we tried something and he'd say, well, is there a better choice? Is there another way to do this? It was never like, no, 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 no. That, that, that's no good. And that kind of attitude from a director for me, but I think for many performers, allows you to blossom because you're free to make those mistakes. You're free to stumble. You're free to hit bad notes, you know, while we try and rejigger everything. And, um, and he was great. He was so supportive. And I knew I could really trust when he said I was doing something well, I went, I can trust that. And when he was saying, you got to go home and work on this. Um, uh, I knew I could trust that too. And I knew I could come back. And I, it was, it was a very positive nurturing relationship with Jeff, with Chris. Uh, we were a three-legged stool. And so I may have my name on the show because that's the way cabaret works, but mm -hmm. it is definitely because of them. And they each contributed a very important piece of this uh, cabaret puzzle. That's great. Now we are going to bring our next guest on, but before we do, you get to pick your own question. And at one through four, pick a number. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, well, let's stick with three since. <laughs> okay. So this is, it says, ask a person for something huge that they're likely to say no to before asking for what you really want. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you were nervous about asking for something, but you went for something bigger than what it was that you truly wanted, realized that you were actually able to get it and then went for what you wanted? Yeah, I think I would have to say it was when I decided during COVID and I thought my show was never going to happen. And I was, as so many people, you know, pretty down about it. And for my birthday, um, I decided that I wanted to take myself into a recording studio. I'd never done it, wanted to see what it was like. And so um, I went in and I recorded a song that I wanted to do for my husband that he loved. And I thought, well, this will be nice. It's like a little legacy thing. I can give it to him and my, you know, any grandchildren I have. And, you know, it'll be like the, one of those little family mm -hmm. whatevers. And um, 
after I did it, um, and and David Friedman, who who's a friend. Oh, I he, love David. Yes, <laughs> I know. I know you know him well. He um, said, "Do you want me to come in to the studio with you?" And I said, "Oh, David." I said, "This is just me. You know, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't have any money to pay you." And he he was so sweet. He said, "This is your birthday present. We'll have fun. Let's go on in." And so we did it. And when we came out, he said, I think you should work on an album. And I said, wait, well, well, I've just done one song. He said, no, no, really. And I said, well, how am I going to possibly afford that? And he said, why don't you do a GoFundMe? And so after months of agonizing and should I and shouldn't I and am I worthy of this and should I do it or not? Long story short, I did a GoFundMe and people responded and then them <laughs> songs into it and to tell you you'd asked me here ago this time that i would be recording an album i would not have believed you well so, say yes say i yes. said yes <laughs> so you're gonna say yes to our next guest one through three. Oh, let's do number two okay and that is therese lee Yay. i am so thrilled that you're here and i have to tell you that therese has been on the show before you were actually on uh, my uh, show with Dr. Judy Bloom, and Therese reached out to me and said that she was coming back to New York uh, with her uh, show, which is uh, she's received rave reviews for this show called Riding the Bus to the Red Carpet. And so you reached out and you also suggested Linda Khan for this show. So thank you for that. Um, but after saying yes to the show, um, it also turned out that uh, we were talking, uh, you know, it turns out that today is National Dog Day. And before we talk about your show, uh, you have done a lot of work with dogs. Yes. And uh, uh, it, they're very much a part of your life. Yeah. Um, I actually have a few photographs here. I, first of all, Look at the love in this photograph. Who's having more fun? Beautiful. <laughs> I'm so happy. And then I love this. <laughs> that is one of the best photographs I have ever seen. And then I love this. There, there's just so much love in these photos. So you wanted to talk about what you get from the work that you do working with dogs. So let's start there. You know, I I just, the photos that, a lot of the photos that you just saw were from this, I, I started working with dogs at the farmer's market that's just down the street from my house on, on Sundays. Uh, they don't allow them in the market, so we would babysit the dogs while people went shopping. And they were looking, they had a little sign saying they were looking for people to help do that. And I went, that looks like fun. So I started doing that, uh, you know, a couple Sundays a month. And, um, you know, you got to know the dogs. And I didn't realize you know, there, there's a German shepherd named Max that I met um, who I put my arms around him and I felt safe for the first time in my life. You know, like it, they they give you this um, unconditional love that I have never, I mean, it's sad to say I'd never experienced that before. And, um, and it was, I find it really healing that it was safe for me to love them and they loved me in return. I didn't have to look a certain way. I didn't have to be a certain thing. It was just for me. It was just love for me, and I could love them. And so it, I found it uh, really um, 
it was, it healed my heart. I had a broken heart most of my life. And, um, mm. and the dogs really gave me a, a sense of what love looks like. And now I kind of gauge everything by like, do I see that same level? Uh, I know that may be unrealistic, but there's a certain amount of acceptance that dogs give you that, that I haven't allowed myself in my relationships with people. So. Well, it may seem odd that I chose human rights on a day where we celebrate dogs. Yeah. But I do believe that there's so much for us to learn from dogs. I mean, Ellen Matzer is going to be coming on soon. Uh, she's a very dear friend who's a nurse. And I've got a great quote that I'm going to be pulling up when I bring her on. Uh, but uh, we learn so much from dogs. I mean, it's unconditional love. Mm -hmm. um, I have seen people treat their dogs so abysmally and those dogs still go back loving them like yeah you know there's no issue i mean people have left their dogs in their cars and uh, it's just amazing how these animals just continue to love and all i have to do is look into their eyes and i'm a goner that's it for me yeah yeah there's a great when you were talking i was thinking there's a great um rescue organization here in LA called Hope for Paws and they're on YouTube if you ever and they do all these rescue videos and it just the other thing that uh, stuns me about dogs is like they will have been abused and abandoned to the point like you just can't imagine them still surviving you take them you give them some love you clean them up you feed them you nurture them they have forgotten where they came from you know pretty quickly i mean they still have issues but Mostly they respond to the love and the love heals their hearts. And it just makes me think like if they can get over that and move on and, and let it go. It, it's a lesson for me about letting go of things from my past, you know, things that broke my heart many years ago that I can just, um, you know, love does heal all wounds. You know, it, it, real, true love, unconditional love heals all your wounds. Well, for example, that. Uh, Jane Fonda has a wonderful quote in her autobiography, where, and she says that there needs to be a statute of limitations as to how long we hold on to the hurt, uh, because sometimes things that we hold on to for so long can impede our growth and everything, but we, we do have to unfortunately and fortunately move through it and get on with our lives. Uh, but I want to talk about your show. Um, uh, you are bringing this show back. Uh, it, will this be the second or third time that you will be doing this in a uh, second time? Uh, and, uh, you know, you've got this incredible story to tell, um, in, if you can give a reader's digest version of the story of your journey to the red carpet. Well, I was working for a little media company at the same, uh, they were my major source of income. I was their marketing director. They threw me into the red carpet stuff. Um, I lost my car, I had a car accident. I, I mean, they had laid me off from the marketing part of that job. I had no money is basically bottom line. I was cleaning someone's house in order to, to buy food. Uh, and I had a car accident, lost the car, didn't replace it. And then my boss that I used to work for would call me every now and then to do, still do the red carpet interviews. So. I lived in this horrible little place in Venice and I would get on the bus and go, you know, across some of the scariest parts of LA on this little bus 
and go interview like George Clooney or Carol Channing or, you know, Adrian Brody or uh, anybody, like a lot of people. And it was just, it struck me. And then I'd get back on the bus and head back to Venice to my little hellhole. Um, so it was a really interesting time, you know, because on the one hand, I had these people who I had these really amazing interactions with who actually kind of saw me and then, you know, go back and live in my little hideaway life. It was just an interesting uh, period of time in my life. <laughs> Well, what I love about you and Linda is that you both have taken these moments in your life and you have made lemonade out of it. <laughs> You've made them into these stories to share with audiences so that hopefully audiences will come away uh, with a glimmer of how to make it better. And, uh, and it's working. And uh, so congratulations. Um, I'm going to ask you the same thing. You get to pull your own question, uh, one through three. Uh, I'll take three. Okay. And the question is, um, what parts of yourself are, this is going to be an interesting question based on everything you just told us. Okay. This is your therapy session for today. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so what parts of yourself are you too afraid to express and share? And I'm going to, I'm going to go a little further with this question. Um, working with Jeff and now putting your story on stage, has it gotten easier for you to share those stories that at one point in your life you were afraid to express and share? Yes. I mean, I'm, um, one of my primary survival skills is, was to be invisible because uh, I had been preyed upon as a child. And um, I just figured that what I needed to do was just not let anybody see me at all. Um, and so it's been interesting and it's, I'm just turned 60. So it's taken me till now to realize like, I don't wanna be invisible anymore. I'm ready to be seen, which is terrifying. And this writing the show during the pandemic with all this time that we had, and Jeff said to me, we have the gift of time. Yes. You know, and then I would tell him some stories from the red carpet, like um, just some really inter intense interactions that I had. And he would say, why don't you tell that story? So I tell some uh, and I'd be like, what? And he'd be like, yeah, why don't you tell that story? And, and so I have and I can see that it changed me because um, the part of me that I've been scared to show was my light. And because I thought that it attracted uh, the darkness, if that makes any sense at all. And now I just realized that the brighter you are, the less likely, uh, the less, uh, the stronger you appear. Because it's it's really the hiding that attracts the the uh, the, the predators. It, I, my whole life I've been hiding from predators. I mean, sorry to get so intense, but there you go. Guys. No, well, don't be sorry. <laughs> Please, don't, never apologize. That's my motto. Yeah. I'm, uh, th and thank you for being open and uh, and sharing that. Um, so uh, I uh, now you get to bring on our next guest, yeah. one or two. Two. Okay. And this is my friend Ellen Matzer. I am so thrilled. Again, she Hi. said yes at the last minute today. Um, and I am going to surprise her because I pulled this off of uh, Facebook. I love it. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. <laughs> no, it was there for the taking. You shared it, so I yes. shared this with my photo today. 
So I took this, I just, I mean, that to me is, that says it all right there. That's love. Uh, but I also have another photo that I'm going to share here because, you know, normally when you've been on the show, you've been here with Valerie, yes. uh, your uh, partner in uh, writing and work. Uh, yes. You've done so much great work together. So today it's more about you. Mm-hmm. And let's start, first of all, with your love for you. How many dogs do you have currently? We have two dogs and two cats. Well, we have two cats and a dog. And do they get along? Oh, they do. They, they Well, the cats tolerate the dogs, but they <laughs> there are some very, very affectionate moments we have found since since we we got the second dog which was the dog you pictured um just before well i have to share photos later i'll send them to you um our dogs i mean our dog and our cats absolutely love each other they sleep together they cuddle up with each other i mean we think about the strife of the world um but i you know it's interesting because as i said the word that i chose today was human rights and I put in human rights. And then as I was looking for great quotes about human rights, I found this quote today. And and I wanna get your take on this, Ellen, as a, as a nurse, um, to get your thought on this. And then maybe Linda and Therese can both weigh in on this uh, mm-hmm. because it's a hot topic for a lot of people. Uh, and the quote is, dogs do not have many advantages over people. But one of them is extremely important. Euthanasia is not forbidden by law in their case. Animals have the right to a merciful death. And I am a proponent. I believe that when the time comes that I am no longer able to live my life fully, to the point that I want, and I and I love, I guess you can figure this out. I live my life to the fullest. I love life. I love my friends. I love life experiences. Uh, I want to be around, hopefully, for another 62 years uh, healthy. Um, <laughs> but if I knew that I was going to be a burden on someone or I wasn't able to live my life to the fullest, um, I would love to be able to be able to check out on my own terms. And I would love to get your take if I'm not putting you on the spot on that, Ellen. And as a nurse, you've dealt with a lot of patients who have gone through some very difficult situations. Mm -hmm. And you've written about this in Mm -hmm. two incredible books. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Well, I can can say that uh, euthanasia certainly is not legal in New York at this time. However, it is legal in other states. Um, My personal feeling on it is that it is a very good thing to have the power over your own destiny, over your own health care, and certainly over your own death. Um, I will tell you that it happens in the hospitals whereby I, when I was working in critical care, which I had done for decades, um, we of course could not 
euthanize anybody. However, we could compassionately let people pass um, with the advent, and, and this is just the last decade or so, having your healthcare agent and having your living will, which is certainly recognized in the state, advanced life support can be withdrawn in the hospital by the healthcare agent of the person who are they who they are agenting for and uh i have come up against this issue thousands and thousands of times whereby uh a mother father sister brother are um not doing well they have very advanced disease of of different magnitudes and different things. And they have chosen a family member to be the proxy and had a living will that outlined very specifically, I do not want advanced life support. I do not want nutrition. I do not want blood transfusions, et cetera, et cetera. I do not, I do not, I do not. I want maximal pain control. Now it's in the hands of the proxy because the patient no longer has what we call capacity to make those decisions. And very often the person who was given the capacity to make the decision decided to make the decision about them and not the person that they were elected to represent. So we had, uh, well, I, I can't pull the plug on my father. I can't pull the plug on my mother. I, you know, isn't there something else you can do? I won't, I won't allow it. So we have had this happen. I, I can't even tell you, Richard, Linda, Therese, how many times oh. where we, um, if it was left in the hands of the proxy where they made the decision based on basically being selfish. They wanted dad around longer. They wanted mom around longer, yeah. sister, brother. And then of course, there were people that abided by the proxy and said, okay, we're going to do a compassionate wean, which is usually the case when people are on a ventilator and we remove the ventilator and we give them um, uh, pain control and anxiety control and allow them to pass. Um, in the place where I am now, uh, I'm in an extended care facility where I'm a professor for new nurses every patient has what they call a MULST form, and that's medical orders for life-saving treatment, MULST. And the patient had made this decision when they had capacity, and it remains in effect. They also elect an agent, but if they have filled out a MULST form, we must abide by it. And they can already say, I do not want to be resuscitated. I do not want blood. I do not want antibiotics. In fact, they can even say, I do not want to be sent to the hospital if I were to become ill. I want to be maximally made comfortable. And then, of course, there are plenty of most forms that says, you know, treat me, send me out, do, do what you need to do to sustain my life. But it is at least available. Yeah. Wow. Linda? Yeah, I, I would. It, it's very interesting that you brought up this topic because I just went through this with my mother who mm. passed last uh, um, 
uh, April. <laughs> and we're actually doing her memorial this, this coming Monday. So the timing is ironic. She um, had done everything that you had said. And actually, we brought her back from the hospital and they were giving her medication. We had brought in a hospice. And I remember talking to her social worker who was almost a friend to her. She was in a, an assisted living place and had seen her regularly. And at one point, as we were giving her the drugs that were keeping her out of pain and all of that, and I was the healthcare proxy. And I said, I know that this is the right choice because her this, this is not a life that she is living. But I said, I'm suddenly weight of making the choice for another human being to let them go. And I said, does this mean I, I'm like helping to kill my mother? Mm. And she said something to me that just resonated so positively. She said, you're not making any decision because you want to keep her out of pain. She said, the body will make the decision mm -hmm. wow. whether it wants to yeah. let go or possibly revive. Mm. And so you're keeping her out of pain. And that was a great comfort to me that it was really, even though I was making the online, you know, this is how we're, how we're going to proceed as she had wished. It wasn't, I wasn't making the decision when she was going to let go. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And what was your mom's name? Janet. So we'll dedicate this show to Janet. Oh, how lovely. Thank you. Thank, you. thank you. I think, you know, Richard, one of the important things I, I know that I say this to families all the time is that when it comes down to performing in the role of a healthcare agent, I say to families, you are not making a decision because they have already made the decision for you. They made it easy for you. Yes. Um, the decision has been made. And for some people who still have trouble with it, I said, if your mom could wake up right now, what would she say to you? And often I get uh, a response like, you know, don't do this to me. Please don't let this happen to me. Let me go. Mm -hmm. yes. And then it becomes a lot easier when they realize that they the decision was already made. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm going to let you pick your next question, Ellen, uh, changing the subject drastically here. <laughs> um, and uh, you'll pick either number one or two. And then we're going to bring our next guest on. Okay. One. Waiting very patiently in the wings. So uh, the question is, what thing are you most scared to tell your parents? <laughs> well, <laughs> well um, I only have a mom. My dad is... Uh, passed uh, uh, over 40 years ago. Um, uh, as far, my mother is uh, 90 and a half. Well, there should be no fears there. <laughs> Was there anything ever in your life that you were afraid to tell them? Um, well, yes, actually. Then let's um, go there. <laughs> <laughs> um. When I was younger, probably from age, you know, tween, 11 through probably 19, 20-ish, uh, I was a very overweight child, very overweight person. And I, I didn't exercise. And I, I actually was a person who ate in the closet. It was a closet eater, over closet overeater. And um, 
so when I was little, I used to like eat the whole box of whatever it was, Twinkies or cupcakes or whatever. And then I would run to the store and replace it and then mm -hmm. eat it back to where it was, you know, like if there were two missing, I'd eat two more and stuff. And um, I was always afraid, afraid to tell her because my mother was always cognizant of how many cupcakes were there left, you know, and what happened to that? There were yodels or whatever, you know, how, how come, how come I bought a box the other day and there's, you know, only two left and I was horrified. So I had my own little hidden way of doing things where I would just eat, eat it and then go out and try to re replace it, put it in the exact order that it was in and et cetera, et cetera. So. Wow. Well, no. well, thank you for sharing that as well. <laughs> Today is about really opening up. <laughs> I, laugh, I laugh at it now, but I, you know, I was I was horrified as a child to say, "Well, yeah, I ate all the Twinkies." Well, I want to bring Mary Lee on because she has been waiting patiently, and Mary Lee, thank you so much for waiting patiently. And before we jump in, I want to share the photo that you sent because. <laughs> I, this is just so incredible. Look at this. Oh. If this is not the poster top oh for our show today. They were holding the second floor ransom. They were holding the second floor ransom. Yeah, they they had their demands, which was more snacks, larger food portions, and full-time access to all bedrooms. But, you know... Uh, <laughs> They finally let us pass. They're hysterical, <laughs> these dogs. They're so spoiled. Oh, my God. I mean, and, and, my house is a disaster. No. And uh, and you, you, you said uh, that there's a thunderstorm going on right now. So yeah. And they are all. They're literally all in bed with my husband right now. With the fans oh. on, trying to make noise so they don't hear the thunder. Oh, well, as I said, I mean, Benny, who you all met, he, my husband came home, so he's gone. Uh, but he is not afraid of anything. I mean, he would give those dogs a run for their money right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, funny. The big one, the big German Shepherd that's standing up on the back, we just got him maybe two, three months ago. He was chained up in a house in uh, Mississippi. They, <sighs> he had never been inside ever for a year of his life oh they moved God. away and left him tied up in the backyard no and oh. a neighbor saw like four days went by and they were like oh boy so they grabbed him brought him to this rescue i work with tons of rescues and i actually know uh, the one you were talking about out in la the uh, hope for paws with l dad he's amazing yes. i keep saying if i'm ever a millionaire he's getting a big <laughs> fat check from me i'm gonna like buy him a new truck or something he's an amazing human um, anyway, so we ended up, I saw his picture came across on Facebook. We had just lost another dog that we rescued. That was, um, he was beautiful. He was a, a three-legged dog, um, that, that someone, he had cancer. Someone took him out, tried to uh, shoot him. Oh, so he ended up losing no. his leg. So we took him oh. and gave him like hospice care for three months. And then he passed away at Christmas. So I was devastated. I still wasn't over that experience. Yeah. And I'm flipping through all my dog rescue things on Facebook because that's what I do. I literally lie in bed and flip through the dog rescue things. And I came across this dog, Jack, in Mississippi. And I just looked at my husband and went, oh, my gosh. And he goes, I don't even know why you ask me anymore. What, just, <laughs> just get the dog. You know you're going to get the dog. So we brought him home. And today 
on National Dog Day, Jack mm-hmm. just got cast in his first national commercial. Oh, so Jack's great. come a long way. He's going to be he's making his television debut. <laughs> now, That's well, so I wanna, first of all, how long have you and your husband been together? Uh, 19 years next week. Married well, 19 years together. Almost 21. And oh. did both of you have this love of dogs prior or? I was always a dog. I mean, ever since I was a little kid, my mom was always surprised I didn't end up becoming a vet because like I was the kid in the neighborhood that I would go into the woods looking for hurt animals and I would bring them home and like nurse Aww. them back to health and set them free. And people would, I had this thing with parakeets. I could like kind of bring parakeets back from illness. So people would bring me their birds and I just always loved animals. And my mother was very kind. She let me have chickens and rabbits and dogs and cats, whatever I brought home. She was like, okay. Cause I always took care of, I had ducks. I had a pet duck that I used to put a little (laughs) twine around his leg and he'd swim out in the lake with all the other ducks. And then I'd reel them back in and bring them home. (laughs) I was this weird kid walked around the neighborhood with birds and ducks. And my mother used to say it it was like Cinderella because I'd walk around the little animals would be (laughs) behind me. Um, so I've always had dogs. I've always loved animals. Uh, I now have four dogs, six goats, and a bunch of chickens. Um, but yeah, so one of the reasons I and married what everyone husband, doesn't realize is that she lives in a studio apartment a stu- in Brooklyn. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I was going to be impressed. I did have two dogs in a studio apartment in Brooklyn, though, for a long time. But um. But one of the things I liked about my husband was when I met him, I came to his house and he had two dogs that he had rescued. We only rescue. We would never, ever do breeders. And um, and the dogs came, of course, like running up to me because dogs just love me. And he was like, oh, OK, my dogs like her. Mm. And I liked that he was such a dog person. I don't think I could have married someone who didn't like dogs because wow. my house just has to be full of fur or to me, it's not alive, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, I, I just couldn't imagine my life without a dog. I have this wonderful dog when I lived in Brooklyn, his name was Natick and he lived to be, um, 15 years old. He died on my birthday Uh and he went everywhere with me. I would write him into my contracts in the shows. If I had my own dressing room that I could bring him in and he could hang out with me. And I was doing, I love you. You're perfect off Broadway. And the stage manager was so nice and he loved my dog. And he was, I had taught him to respond to sign language. Um, so that if wow. I were walking down the street at night or something, and I didn't like somebody coming toward me, I'd give him a sign and he would do wow. certain things. Right. So I taught him, like I would do my little hand like that and he would talk. He would go, rawr, 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 rawr. <laughs> so he'd sit up in the stage manager's booth and the stage manager would call half hour, ladies and gentlemen, half hour. And you'd hear, rawr, rawr, rawr. <laughs> so my dog would sit in the booth and call half hour and 15 minutes. So it's so fun. I just love them. Dogs with the bomb. God bless you. Well, I want to talk about this project that you have. You have this new CD out. Um, and to, again, thank you. Uh, you and Ellen, the two, for being uh, spontaneous today uh, because you came on at the last minute. Uh, but you, it, it's called A New Stage. First of all, the title, uh, mm-hmm. how you came up with this title. And I love the premise of this. And that's why I wanted to reach out and have you come on the show today. Oh, thank uh, you. That's kind so, of you. Yes. So let's start with the new stage. Well, and- 
the title is interesting. It came because um, at the beginning of COVID, um, you know, Stephanie Block, uh, yes. who she won the Tony for Cher, and she and I have been friends for probably 30 years. We did Will Rogers Follies together um, in Branson, and we shared a dressing room, and we just stayed friends. We just stayed really close. And COVID hit, and she was going through such a hard time because she was selling her house in New Jersey and moving out to California so that her child could go to school outside during COVID. And it's a very stressful time. She and her husband are both performers, so the bottom just fell out of their careers. And and in my house, uh, things weren't quite as stressful. You know, I just had the typical COVID stresses, but I did have a teenager that you're trying to keep steady during a very difficult time and have them see us friends. And I have an 80 five-year-old mother who um oh god bleep that out she'll kill me if i say her age out loud you bleep that embrace it embrace it embrace it you've got to bleep it she'll kill me so um i was worried so she can give her side of the story (laughs) she's just gonna be mad that i said her age out loud um so she uh so uh, we were going through our own things and we kept um, sending Marco Polos back and forth. You know, those little videos. Yes. That you send? Yeah. So we were sending Marco Polos. And at that time, all four dogs in my house had gotten mange and it, and it went un- oh. undiagnosed. So the, my house was a disaster. I was getting rashes. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. We're all falling apart. And then she would micro send me a micro Marco Polo back about something. And I would just send her back and go mange. And I would hang up, right? Like, <laughs> so we, <laughs> we were just making each other laugh and our lives were falling apart. And I just said to her, we should be doing this on a podcast with all of our awesome friends because I'll bet you they're all really struggling right now too. And she said, let's do it. And let's call it stages. And I was like, oh my God, I love it. She's like, because it's all the different stages in our life. And literally mm-hmm. I said, give me two weeks. I said, and don't tell me you're going to do this unless you're really going to do this. She's like, no, I'm in. I was like, okay, I'll call you in two weeks. So I hung up. I built a website. I found an intern. I got composers to write our theme song. I got a lawyer to drop all the contracts. I had my friend make our logo. Like I, that was it. I was on it. So two weeks later, I go, okay, I got a first three guests lined up. Here's this, here's this, sign this. She was like, holy shit, what have you done? I'm like, you said go. I went. And so we started that podcast and it's been a year and we've had like 50 guests and we're having the, the most amazing time doing this podcast. We've had over 50,000 downloads. Like it's just been a ball. And it all started because like you were saying, we just said, yes, let's just say yes. Let's just, just say yes and see what, and that's really a theme. We talk about it all the time that you're like, just say yes. Like what? What's failure? If failure is nothing except a thing, a guidepost to say, okay, not this direction, try another one. Yeah. And well, don't you find, I mean, excuse me for interrupting that, uh, you know, with both you and Ellen, especially, I'm going to use you to just, at the, just me asking today and you both saying, yes. I mean, you said, yes, it'll be fun. I'll do this. And you and I have never even spoken before. I mean, Ellen and I at least had a history. But you, I mean, and I have never, but I, when I received uh, your uh, e-blast today, I guess, for, about your CD, I thought, I want her on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you said yes and went for it. I find that so many people in, in this business especially uh, are, will say, well, let me think about it and let me get back to you. Mm-hmm. And these opportunities don't always come by a second time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I heard an interview one night 
with William Shatner. And this, I think he was 80 at the time. Uh, so this goes back a few years. Yeah. And he was being interviewed by, uh, uh, well, I, I can't remember who he was interviewing by. Um, but when he was being interviewed, uh, the interviewer said, what do you attribute to your success? And he said, I get out of the house. Yeah. We live in a world where everything that you want is available now yeah. on an app. If I, He said, even sex, if I want it, I can click an app and get anything I want delivered to my front door. Yeah. And he says, it's just getting out of the house and saying yes to these opportunities. And uh, it was Larry King who was the interviewer. I just, I remember now. Um, but we t if we just say yes and then figure out how we're going to make it happen. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think... I think the first thing that occurs to a lot of people when they're faced with an opportunity is all the reasons why they can't do it, why it might go wrong, why this won't work. And I think that's the wrong way to look at things. It just It doesn't mean jump in willy-nilly and be crazy, but it does mean um, take chances. Like, just what do you have to lose? Yeah. Stephanie and had nothing to lose by just doing this podcast, and it turned out to be the most incredible thing. And to go back, that's where the title came from, because... Um, it was called stages and it's about the different stages in our life. And, and much like you, Linda, I left the business for a while to raise my son. Mm. Um, and I'm getting back in now, you know, I'm, I'm writing a show. I, I have a production company. I'm, oh, wow. I'm invested in Kimberly Akimbo and the, it's coming to oh, Broadway. Oh so, yes. Oh, great. Yeah. I started a production company with LaChance. So we're going to be producing wow. shows together and oh, yay. So I feel like I'm in a whole new a whole new stage. A whole new stage. A whole new stage. So it's fun, you know. To, I feel a little left out of all these celebrities. Like, <laughs> Ellen, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, Ellen, you know, you, you all have to read her book as well. You know, so, uh, and, and of course, all of your information, by the way, for everyone who's watching and for all of you on the show, will all be on my YouTube channel so that you'll be able to connect with each other and, figure out what everyone's doing and everything. So, and then tell us about the CD uh, be before we run out of time, because this show, I don't want the show to end, but uh, <laughs> I've got dinner plans tonight myself. So uh, tell us um, about the CD. You know, as my son was growing up every year, I would record a song uh, on Father's Day and I would put all our pictures to the year on the song. And I had always said at the end of a certain amount of time, I'll turn it into an album. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. I didn't use all the songs, but many of the songs are those that I'd done over the years. And some I had done re recorded before my son was born. Um, so yeah, so I sort of put it together for him, for his little graduation gift. Um, oh, and, great. Yeah. That'd and, make a great cabaret show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Well, the CD release? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's right there. Well, I'm writing something now. So, <laughs> I'm, so. I'm, I've never done a cabaret. So actually, I'd love to pick your brain, Linda, and, you know, and Teresa, too. And yeah, Ter you you can talk well. to both of us. Absolutely. Yeah. I need a director. I need a director. I need oh, we've guidance. got one for you. Okay. Jeff, uh, Jeff Harner. Uh, uh, well, there are a lot of great directors there out are. there, but I, I'm going to say Jeff Harner. Okay. Yes, he's never directed me, so I'm just putting it out there. Uh, but by process of elimination, you get this last question. Okay. And the question is, where are you placing blame unnecessarily for something that happened in your life? Or have you ever done that? Um, 
That's a very interesting question. And I think the interesting thing is I often blame myself for things I shouldn't blame myself for. <laughs> I take on way too much responsibility for other people's actions sometimes. And, um, and when I get hurt, I tend to say, what did I do to bring this on? You know, and, and I take, I sort of excuse some of their bad behavior and put it on myself. That is ending. I will say that I've sort of, as I discovered it about myself, I was like, well, that's done. Um, so yeah, I think that would be the answer is I, I, I don't think I've deflected blame. I think I've taken too much responsibility for other people's behaviors in the past. Well, good. Uh, a great book uh, that I would recommend to everyone is Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Just, uh, I lead a book group and we just recently went through that book. So uh, once again, the word of the day is human rights. The phrase of the day is human rights. Uh, I will be doing, putting together a little uh, gift package uh, for our winner today to give away. Uh, so I'm, I've got four random questions and then each of you are gonna be given your chance to do your uh, final word of the day. Uh, and I'm gonna start with you, Linda. The first question is, uh, what is the most beautiful sound that you feel that you've ever heard? A baby's laugh. Mm -hmm. I I agree with that. I love yeah. that. Uh, Therese, do you journal or did you ever? And would you ever consider writing your memoirs? I know that you've placed your story on stage now, but you've got an amazing story to tell on so many levels. Yes, I've journaled quite a bit. And uh, yes, people have asked me that a lot which I think is the universe prodding me to write something. Yeah. Good. Great. Uh, Ellen, uh, what is the poorest that you feel that you've ever been? And it doesn't need to be, and I don't necessarily mean financially. Uh, and how did you overcome it? Well, if you don't mean financially, um, I'm going to say the, well, I have two things, but um, I'm going to, I thought of one thing and that had to do with what I shared earlier, but I'm going to deviate from that. I, I'm going to say that the poorest that I have been is been unable to help my 32 year old daughter with mental illness. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we have been struggling th with this for over two years now. Um, she had COVID PTSD and had a two relationships collapsed and um, has had a lot of challenges. And so uh, my emotional bank account is uh, bankrupt from, from that. Wow, thanks for sharing. Yeah. And uh, if you ever need anyone to talk to, I'm a great listener. Just mm -hmm. call me. I'll Thank be there for you. you. Um, and besides your dogs, Mary Lee, besides your music, besides your art, what makes you feel the most alive? I think being with my son. I mm. love spending time with my son. Even if we just watch TV or hang out in the yard for a little while watching him turn into this young thriving energetic young man is 
really grounding and um, it makes you grateful and it makes you happy to be uh, alive for, for them, to stay around for them. That's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for being here. And don't go anywhere for a moment. I'm going to do my giveaway and this is how I do it. And uh, thank you all for being here today. Uh, and then I will give my closing remarks and I will give each of you a chance. Mitch Morrow, once again, Mitch, please get in touch with me. Uh, he's accruing all these prizes. <laughs> I don't know how to send anything to him. So Richard at richardskipper.com, please get in touch with me. So I am going to remove these. Um, I'm gonna give each of you a chance to give your final remarks today. It could be about anything that we talked about today that you wanna build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you would like to leave everyone with uh, today. Um, and, uh, and then when you finish, you just pick the next person and so on and so on until the last person is left standing. Uh, and the last person, when you say goodbye, the credits will roll, so don't worry about how am I gonna end this. Just <laughs> say goodbye and the show will end. Um, I wanna thank everybody for being here. I, it's hard to believe, uh, you know, I have a newsletter uh, shameless plug for that. It comes out every Sunday night at midnight. Uh, and it's, I call it the Skipper's Guide. Uh, and it's not only a guide of what's coming up in the next week, as far as my guests are concerned, but it's little, you know, my little philosophies about these little daily celebrations and things that are coming up. And I was, as I've been writing this week's blog, I'm thinking about this time of year. And it's the end of summer. Uh, someone posted today, everyone remember the end of summer is not until the middle of September. Right. Because I think the people get caught up. And then someone responded very quickly to that, unless you're a teacher. <laughs> uh, and I said, well, for some teachers, you know, I go for a morning walk every morning. And I've been seeing kids waiting for school buses for the last three weeks. A lot of kids have been already in school. And uh, it's gotten earlier and earlier and earlier, and their summers have gotten shorter and shorter and shorter. I grew up in South Carolina. I grew up on a farm, and our school season was built around the farm season. So we had a summer. Uh, I grew up near Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So the summer uh, tourist season, it was all we had summers. And it's a shame that these kids are not experiencing summers. And then I think about what's happening when these kids are going to school and how our school system has gotten so politicized um, with what's uh, being allowed in school and what's not being allowed in school and what kids are being allowed to talk about or not being able to talk about. And my heart aches for these kids. Allow these kids to be kids. Allow them to grow up. Allow them to experience what life is like. Um, I think about my summers and I think about this time of year and I always get melancholy. I, I think about summer ending, but I'm also thinking about the excitement of the autumn and yes, pumpkin spice mm. and all that autumn brings and the holidays are coming up. And then you see like the holidays speeding up. Have you been into some supermarkets or department stores lately the holidays displays are already up it's already halloween so yes they're throwing it at us whether we're ready or not so 
my message for everybody is to experience every day and to embrace it and to hold on to it and to get as much as you can get out of each day. And as I close out yet another month, another week, I want to tell everybody we're not responsible for what's going on in the world right now, but we are responsible for how we respond to it. And when it comes to social media, I look at Linda, Therese, Mary Lee, Ellen, and they all have wonderful gifts to offer to the world. If you see one of their posts or any of our other artist friends, think about their post. Does it uplift? Can it uplift them? Can it uplift the other people that see it? And if it does, there are three things you can do. Like, comment, and share because all of us want to be acknowledged. And if it's not going to do those three things, simply hit the delete button and stop it in its tracks because there's enough negativity in the world and we don't need to contribute to it. Also, after this show today, please go to my YouTube channel. If this is your first time here, I hope it will not be your last. Please consider subscribing to this channel. My, my goal, my mission is to celebrate artists and their body of worth and what they bring to the table. Everybody's worth celebrating if we take the time to do so. Uh, and also, I say to everybody, uh, go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the fifth name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know what they mean to you. Linda and I have a mutual friend, and that's Sean Moniger. And Sean Moniger always says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. Mm -hmm. And I always say, if you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. <laughs> so I'm going to leave the screen, and Linda, I'm going to turn it over to you. And when you finish, you will pick the next person. Thank you all for being here today and make it a great weekend and a great September. Linda, it's all yours. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. Bye. Thank you, Richard. Well, I just want to say, I think one of the reasons why my show got named Say Yes was because I think I'm sort of, I'm sort of meant to, in, you know, be, be using that not only for me, but for others. And when I think about each one of you, today, because Therese said yes, and Mary Lee said yes, and Ellen, you even have said yes in terms of helping all of these people go through these very challenging times and being brave enough to share what you're going through with your daughter. It's, it's wonderful. So I'm just going to end with saying, yeah, let's all keep saying yes. Keep the good stuff going. Over to you, Therese. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having us here today. It's been really a pleasure. And um, I just was thinking, sometimes I get so caught up in everything that's going on and, I, and I'm either in the past or in my, the wreckage of my future, which, you know, I'm worried about what's gonna happen tomorrow or next week or next year. And sometimes I just need to remember to be where my feet are, to take a breath, to go do something nice for myself, to remember, you know, it's not happening now. What is happening now? What's right in front of me to just do the next indicated thing? Because that is where I find happiness is right in the present moment. So thank you again for having us here today. I really appreciate it. Over to you, Ellen. 
Thank you. Um, well, this was a really unexpected pleasure to be asked to join Richard today. I have been on Richard's show a few times. Um, I'd like to, you know, thank the guests that were here with me. Again, um, I'm not in the entertainment field and, uh, you know, it's very foreign to me, but it was so delightful hearing about everybody's projects and, and you know, talents. Um, so I, I, I just am feeling really grateful that I could meet all of you um, through Richard. And um, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that at, at, some, at some point in my life, that um, the books that I wrote, which are very compelling stories from my heart, I'm hoping that at some point they will become a diverse work and that somebody would think about um, producing them uh, via another avenue so that we can get uh, more people access to care, access to education, access to knowledge. And, and the last thing is not forgetting lives that were unfinished. Um, thank you. Uh, Mary Lee? Uh, well, I guess this is my show now. I'm, I'm the last one here. I'm taking over Richard Skipper's show. Um, anyway, so the fall to me has always been the new year. It never felt like a new year in January. Always September felt like the new year to me. So I love September. Um, uh, I think what you were saying about schools is really true. I think they don't teach children how to learn. They just teach them what to learn. And I think we would all benefit by learning how to learn and how to embrace the new and how to embrace the scary and how to say yes to things that are frightening and do it anyway. Uh, so happy new year. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>